0: You're listening to Reality San Francisco's weekly podcast. For more audio content or information, please visit us at realitysf.com. Yesterday, I got a, a clip from this guy. Uh, I, I, I speak on this uh, talk show down in uh, L.A., and... Uh, this is just a clip from, not, not of me, but of the guy, Frank Pastore, my friend, who, uh, who was speaking on it about a week ago. So listen to this Isn't it interesting that secular science is addressing the question, Is does man have a soul? Is there such a thing as immaterial reality? And it's couched in the category of, is there life after death? It's the same question. I mean, look, you guys know I ride a motorcycle, right? So at any moment... Uh, especially with the idiot people who crossed the diamond lane into my lane all right, without any blinkers. Not that I'm angry about it, but uh, at any minute, I could be spread all over the 210. But that's not me. That's my body parts. And that key distinction undergirds the entire Judeo-Christian worldview. And also your... Two hours after he said that, he jumped on his motorcycle on the 210 freeway got hit by a car and now he's in a coma pretty much brain dead looks like he's going to die that's insane I mean, one minute he's on the radio going, man, you, you know, it's, it's like this, and he's talking about how, you know, the, these are just bodies, and it, it can be over any second, and, but, but what about my soul? Does it live on? What, what goes on there? Right after he says that, jumps on his motorcycle, and exactly what he said happened. Someone came into the carpool lane and knocked him in the center divider, and... I've seen it so... This life that we live is so crazy. Everything changes in one second. That, that's the whole idea behind what we're talking about here. As we talk about the waiting for the return of Christ, it's this idea that when Christ comes, everything changes in one split second. And just like Frank was theoretically just talking on the radio going, well, if this happened... And then, boom, it happens. In the same way, I don't want to just kind of casually in this room go, well, you know, when Christ returns, and then, boom, what if he returns? And we were praying this morning, talking about waiting, you know, with some of the pastors here, just talking about, man, Christ could return here. This isn't a a hypothetical, you know, theoretical thing. It's like, when that happens, everything changes in one second. That's the idea of believing and waiting and being ready. It's the idea of faith. Dave asked me to talk about uh, waiting for Christ, um, but as it pertains to the idea of faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 defines faith for us. And in Hebrews 11, verse one, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, The conviction of things not seen. It's the assurance of things hoped for. So that's what faith is. You are so sure. Like you're hoping for something. Like like many of us in this room are hoping for the return of Christ. And so having faith in that is I am absolutely sure he's going to return. And everything's going to change at that point. And when you look at the book of Hebrews, especially in chapter 11... In context to this verse, it's all about people doing things because of their faith. And if you look in scripture, believers have always been marked by how they would act differently because they are waiting for the Christ. They're waiting for him, therefore they act differently. Paul describes it like this in Philippians chapter 3. In uh, in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 18... He says this, For many of whom I have often told you and now even tell you with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So Paul's saying there, he goes, look, there are people, and and when Paul says this, he goes, man, you guys have heard this from me before. He goes, and now I'm saying it and I'm actually crying. You know, I'm saying this with tears in my eyes. He goes, there's so many people who walk as enemies of the cross. Paul's writing to this church, he goes, I'm crying as I'm writing this and saying this to you. He goes, man, there's going to be people that are enemies of the cross, and one of the distinctions of those enemies of the cross, he says, their minds are set on earthly things. Their God is their stomach, it's their appetite, all all they're thinking about is what they want to eat next, or what they want to do next, what they feel next. He goes, and everything they think about is earthly. He goes, but we're not like that. He goes, our citizenship is in heaven, and and unlike those who just focus on things of the earth, we're waiting for the return of Christ. See, that was a distinction between someone who believes in Jesus, has faith in the return of Jesus, versus someone who does not. And what struck me when I was reading that passage is, isn't it strange that Paul here is crying over something that we, in the American church now, we don't even think is a big deal. Like when's the last time you're really bothered that someone was focused on earthly things? We don't even see that as a big sin. Ah, oh, he's always thinking about his his work, he's always thinking about his car, he's always thinking about getting married, he's always thinking about his kid. Like that's that's not a big deal to us. We're like, well, yeah, yeah, big deal. That's not a major sin. But Paul hears goes, man, I'm crying because all they think about is earthly things. He goes, and that's not us. We're waiting for a Savior. We're waiting for his return. We're waiting for that time when everything's going to change. We're waiting for that split second. That's what differentiates us. There's some examples of this in the Bible. You have um, in, uh, you know, when they talk about the birth of Christ in Luke chapter 2. There's a tiny little segment about this lady named Anna uh, in verse 36. It says, There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So for example, here's this lady, Anna. It says she got married. Okay, so she kept herself pure. She got married. She was married for seven years and then her husband died. And so the rest of her life, Up until she was 84, she just stayed in the temple. She said, I'm not leaving this place. Um, Christ is coming. Christ is coming. Can you imagine what a fool she must have looked like? Can you imagine how her mom and all her friends are like, what are you doing? You're just going to stay there in the temple? You're so sure this Christ is going to come? You're just going to stay? You're going to worship? You're going to pray? You're going to fast? I mean, this is faith right here. And then Christ comes. Then the birth of Christ, and so she's the first one to come out and go, I told you, he's here. I'm sitting here for 60 years waiting for him to come, and here he is. See, that's the idea of waiting. That's the idea. I'm not saying that's what we do, but I'm saying that that's a, a picture of someone who was serious, who, who had faith, right? That goes, no, this is, this is going to happen. Um, some of you may have heard the story of uh, my, my wife's grandmother, um, Her name is Clara. Clara. That's not a good grandma name. Clara. I love Grandma Clara. I love Grandma Clara. Um, She died. She died. I think she was 84, too, which is weird. Um, But uh, every time I'd call my my, uh, wife's fiance at that time, her house, Oh, Grandma Clara would answer. Hey, Grandma, you know, what are you doing? And it was always, always about Jesus, right? It's like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm cutting the roses and telling Jesus how beautiful they are. You know, I'm like, wow, that's awesome, Grandma. You know, and, uh, <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, one time I called and I was like, okay, what are you doing? He goes, Jesus is so good. I go, yeah, he is. What do you do this time? She goes, I was baking a cake. I forgot an ingredient, but Jesus still made it delicious <laughs> i like grandma you 're killing me okay but the the ultimate was okay, this one time uh, there was this you know her family uh, her family went to this uh this play you know and they 'd have these family gatherings, so I had to go it 's part of marriage, and so you you go and uh And we're in this place, kind of similar to this, like a theater type of setting, and uh, I'm sitting right next to Grandma Clara. And so we're watching this play, and then, you know, then at halftime, I look over at her, and I go, you know, hey, Grandma, what do you think of the play, you know? And she looks at me, she goes, I don't want to be here. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) And uh, I go, why don't you want to be here? You know, the play isn't bad. It's not, you know, nothing. There's no cursing or anything evil, you know, like what? what?" And she just goes, I just don't know if this is where I want to be when Christ returns. And she goes, I'd rather him find me on my knees praying for you and praying for your church. I'd rather him find me helping someone, caring for her. So, but I don't want him to find me just sitting here watching a show. And I just remember, man, I've never met anyone like that. It's like, you take this Literally. Like, you're just, you're, you're waiting. You're constantly thinking, when's he going to return? Man, I, I would read about people like that in the Bible, but to have someone sitting right next to me, and, and she's just, she just so in love with Jesus that she just can't wait to see him. And, and it's just like it mentions in scriptures. Like, what are you going to be doing when he returns? I mean, she was living that out. Man, and I remember visiting her, you know, when later on she had to be put into a home, you know, and and just how she would just try her best to talk to everyone in there before they died in this elderly home because she just wanted to be found. She's like, I just can't wait for Jesus to return. You know, as her health was failing, she goes, maybe, maybe, you know, I keep asking God, why am I still on the earth? She goes, maybe it's because I'm actually going to see him come down, you know. I mean, it was just, she was consumed. And so as we talk about waiting for Jesus, would someone label you as someone who is waiting for Jesus? Would they describe you that way? See, when Dave gave me this topic, I I got real excited. Um, He had actually asked me to speak, and he had given me a different topic, and I was like, uh, I'm kind of busy and then he gave me this one, and uh, I'm like, okay, 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 I'll do that one, I'll do that one. So I got real excited, it's like, man, waiting for the Messiah, you know, you know in faith, I, I mean, I love that, I love that topic, but then I started studying it, you know, a couple weeks ago, and I started looking into it, and you guys, I was just, I, I, I felt very hypocritical, honestly. Um, A lot of times when I teach something, I go, okay, yeah, yeah, I kind of got that one. I can work on it, but I'm pretty good. But when I started studying about the return of Christ and waiting for Him in faith and started looking at my life, just being honest with you, I was kind of disgusted with myself. I mean, it's not just that days go by where I don't think about the return of Christ, but sometimes weeks, and honestly, sometimes months, where I don't even... I'll just get into a routine day in, day out, and I won't think about the return of Christ literally for months. And that really bothered me. With the examples I've been given and what I see in Scripture and how, you know, the focus this month is about waiting, and we want to be people who are waiting, anxious. I mean, that's what separates us. That's what Paul says. He goes, man, I'm crying because these people, all they do is think about things on the earth, and I'm going, oh, man, I get caught up. I start looking at different things on the earth, and I can't wait for this. I can't wait for that. And I'm not thinking about the return of Christ. And so, so like a week or two ago, I, I just thought, okay, I've got to remind myself. I'm going to force myself. And I started thinking, you know how you have things like reminders everywhere. I thought, okay, I'm going to paint one of my nails. And every time I look at it, I go, why is it painted? And it will remind me, oh, i got to wait for Christ. I seriously thought that. I thought, okay, maybe I'll put my shoes on backwards or I'll tie it. You know, I'll do something different every day. Because, man, I'm going, to, I'm going to think and remember, you know, to think about the return of Christ. And as I thought about that, I thought, "No, God. That's not what I want." Man, I don't want to force. If you're engaged in this room, if there's if there's someone that's going to get married in a little bit, you know, you're engaged to get married. Do you tie a string around your finger to remind you that? Oh, I'm going to get married. Oh, I forgot. A month went by. Wow, I forgot to do any wedding planning. I, I totally forgot. Call me every day. Remind me I'm getting married. No. You're consumed with it. You're thinking about it all the time. Why? Because you're in love. You can't wait for that day. You're anticipating. You don't need a string around your finger. You don't need someone to text you every day to remind you. And I'm going, God, something is wrong with my love for you. Man, this isn't about a string. It's not about a t-shirt. It's not about a bumper sticker. It's about, man, if I was madly in love with you, Jesus, I would be thinking, I can't wait till I see you. I can't wait till I see you. I can't wait for that day where you come and you find me. But man, am I so focused on earthly things that I'm not awaiting you? Am I like a bride that just totally forgot about Her wedding day, and so she's just doing all this other stuff, and suddenly the groom shows up. I I forgot all about the wedding. It's like, God, I don't want that. And in the same way, this is not about a religious exercise. Let's celebrate Advent. Let's think about the return of Christ. Let's, Let's do this, 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 so that we remember him. Man, our hope is that your heart is one that just changes and just grows more in love with the person of Jesus to the point where you're like, Jesus, I cannot wait to see you. I can't wait till that day comes. And so that's been my prayer for me. It's been my prayer for you. I want us to be people that are waiting in faith for the return of Christ. Now, I, I thought, you know, some of you maybe you don't, you haven't really thought through this whole idea of the return of Christ. Or maybe it's, this is new to you. And so I just want to explain biblically real quickly what we mean when we say the return of Christ. Ever since the beginning of time, Genesis Genesis uh chapter three, you have Adam and Eve there's a promise made to Adam and Eve in Genesis three that this this uh this uh this one is going to come, this Messiah is going to come and it talks about how he is going to crush the head of of the enemy crush the enemy uh, let me back off back up and back off um, it says I, I'm like rushing it says that From the seed, from Eve's seed would come this Messiah. And it's an interesting phrase because the Bible never talks about the seed of the woman. The seed came from the man. But it was strange because it says, from your seed, Eve... And so it, it, you know, most see that as a prophetic statement of saying, wow, it's a virgin birth. It doesn't have to do with the seed of the man. And explains like this one is going to come and how the enemy is going to bruise him on the heel. And yet this one is going to crush the enemy on the head. Okay, so this coming Messiah, coming deliverer. And then later on you have Abraham who we, we read about. When we started the service, and Abraham is promised, come out from your your people. You know what? Out of from you and Sarah. I know you're a hundred years old, but actually, you're going to have a child, and it's through him that there's going to be this offspring. This seed is going to go through you. It, you. You see it later in. Um, And in in Genesis chapter uh, 49, you know, continues and it says, look, the seed is going to come through the line of Judah later on in uh, uh, the Bible. Um, it, it's like first or second Samuel so it talks about how it 's going to be through David, and it says you know in David, through David, the lineage is going to come, and then later on you 've got prophets you 've got prophets like Isaiah that you studied last week that talked about how this one 's going to come. You have prophets like in Daniel chapter nine, which is insane uh, i 'll have to come back and explain something. Daniel nine is crazy in describing how this Messiah is going to come, but more than that, when it's going to come. And if you calculate it out, it's actually it talks about these 69 weeks, you know, and the 69 seven-year periods, 483 years, 173,880 days. From this date, you'll see the destruction of the Messiah, the death of the Messiah. And it's like, wow. And it happens, you know, to the week of his crucifixion, the triumphant. I mean, this is it's stuff that's prophesied hundreds of years before. Happens to the day, and Christ comes. Anyways, in the Old Testament, you've got different passages. There are some passages, like Isaiah 53, that talk about this one that's going to die and be crushed for our iniquities. It's this suffering servant that's just going to be beaten to a pulp. But then you have these other passages about this conquering king that's going to come and crush the head of Satan. He's going to be this, you know, there's going to be no end to his government. And so you've got almost like a, it looks like a contradiction. Because you're like, well, who's coming? Is he a king? Is he going to conquer? Is he going to come and die and suffer for us? And then Jesus shows up. And everyone, you know, so everyone's like, Yeah, here comes the king. Look, he raises people from the dead. He heals people who are blind their whole lives. This is it, this is the Messiah, he's gonna destroy the Roman government, you know, he's gonna take over. Our Messiah is here, triumphal entry, boom. Jesus explains, no, no, okay. Let me explain this to you. I've come to die for you. I, I'm I'm actually gonna be crushed for your iniquities. I'm going to pay for the sins of the world. I came to die. But I'm going to return. See, I'm going to die on the cross, pay for all your crimes. That is true. But then I'm going to rise from the dead. Give you a mission. I'm going to send, I'm going to send back into heaven. And then one day I'm going to return. And so that's what we mean when we talk about the return of Christ. Christ. Just like the believers in the Old Testament were waiting for his appearance, he appears, fulfills the cross, resurrects, and says, I'm going to come back one day to judge the world. And it's going to be different when I return. It's not going to be like the first time. I'm not going to be born again in a manger as as a baby growing up. We did that part. I come back now as that ruler, the judge, and everything is going to be put under my feet. And that's what we're waiting for. And. Jesus describes this in uh, Matthew, and I want to do something that's going to be a stretch right now for you, Um, because it was a stretch for me, the first service. Um, I'm just going to read the words of Christ, all of Matthew 24 and 25, and let me just preface this with saying, look... I mean, imagine if Jesus walked in the room. I mean, these are his words. He just said these words. I mean, how closely would you listen to him? You know, I don't want us to get so accustomed to speakers and videos and everything else that it's like, I need all of this to entertain me. Could I just sit and pay attention at the feet of Jesus? Could I just listen to the words of Jesus and hang on every word? Man, because I'm telling you, the world you're growing up in is, is very strange. Um, I'm, I, I sound really old saying this, but I remember when black and white television and everyone would talk about how evil television was and and they would say, I remember when, you know, and they would talk about how they would just sit there and listen to the radio and go, man, it was so much better for us because we had to use our imagination. We had to think it wasn't just thrown right there. And I remember hearing that as a kid and go, what are you talking about? But then it just, everything changes, everything changes. And now everything's just faster, faster, simu- to, to the point where, man, I used to be able to concentrate. Seriously, I used to just sit there and go, okay, I heard that. Now it's like, you got to say three or four times. I got, you you, know, you got to show it on video. You've you got to do something. And I'm saying, you know, can we just listen to the words of Jesus? Like, could we just try, pretend old school, like you're just sitting there in the mountain listening to Jesus. Or you're just listening from a radio, like, oh, I'm just hearing the voice of Jesus. This is beautiful, hearing the words of Jesus for the first time. If if you have to read along, you know, it'll be on the screen. But I want to challenge you. You know, whatever helps you focus most. But let's listen, just, let's just listen to the words of Jesus. Matthew 24 25. As he sat on the mountain of olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, "Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the close of the age?" Jesus answered them, "See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, "I'm the Christ, and they'll lead many astray, and you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars." See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. And they'll deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea, So if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, The sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, And they'll gather his elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour he does not know. And will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. Five of them were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And as the bridegroom delayed, they all became "...went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, "'Lord, Lord, open to us!' But he answered, "'Truly I say to you, I do not know you. "'Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. "'For it will be like a man going on a journey, "'who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. "'To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one.' And he who received the five talents came forward, bringing five more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I've made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done. Good and faithful servant, you've been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also had received the one talent that came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked, slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to, to, to him who has the 10 talents. For everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worst, cast the worthless servant, into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations. And He'll separate people from one another as a, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll place the sheep on His right, but, and, but the goats on His left. And the, the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked, you clothed me, I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him saying, Lord... into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not welcome me. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you, then he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Man, Jesus says so much in that passage. I encourage you to read it. I know it's a long to just listen, but we've got to learn to not be bored when Jesus speaks his words. I guess somehow long to hang on every word. I know there's questions in there, but what's the general thought? It's like, I've got to be ready for this day. I don't want to be messing around. This is serious. That last passage sometimes is confusing. People go, well, well, ha- it seems like the only differentiation is how they cared for the poor, those in need. I mean, aren't we saved by grace through faith? Yeah. But the person who's saved, they're given this heart of Jesus to where they start caring for those who are in need. Because that's what Jesus did. He went after us. You know, I, I do this ministry every Sunday afternoon in the Tenderloin District. Some of you guys come out and help out and... Um, and it's, it's just people that just go, man, I just want to find whoever's the poorest of the poor. Whether they're here, overseas, whatever, I just want to help those who are in need. And there's a group of guys that, that come out um, and uh, there's a picture of them. And uh, this is a, a lady that uh, they were having a birthday party for. It's a homeless lady. And they befriended her, and it was her birthday, so they they had a little cake and party with her. She's in her 70s or something, but it's just what we do. We just try to find people and love on them however we can. Well, last Sunday, one of the guys, um, the blonde-white one in the middle-ish, okay. He comes up to me uh, last Sunday afternoon and says, Man, pray for me. You know, we're ministering to this lady, and... um, and she got beat up last night. And, uh, and I'm going to go visit her. I don't know what to do. Um, so he shows me a picture. And you know how it, 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 there's that weird thing going on where young people just go up to some homeless person and you had to grope them, beat the heck out of them. Like that happened to her last Saturday night. And... And, and and if there's anyone in the room that goes, Well, there's not really a good or evil in the world, maybe you need to look at that again. You tell me, there's no such thing as evil? Anyways, he comes up and he's like, well, I'm going to do something for you. Just pray for me. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. So he goes over there and invites her, would you please just get off the streets? Come, come. I don't want this to happen to you. Come, come into my house or my friend's house. We want to take care of you. And she's like, no, I don't feel comfortable going anywhere. I'm just going to stay here. And by now, both her eyes are swollen shut. And she's just, you know, getting ready to, to lay down there on the sidewalk. He's like, I, I just can't leave the streets. And so he says, Okay, then I'll sleep with you here on the street tonight. And he slept there Sunday night. And he slept there Monday night. And he slept there Tuesday night. Just going. Hey guys, when I heard about that, I go, that's Christianity right there. Okay, that's that is Christmas. That's Christmas. That's Christmas where where, where God's going, man, come on, follow me, follow me. You know, I'm going to go down there. I'll go down to be where you are. I'll show you who I am. So maybe then you'll be comfortable to take me as your king. Look, I'm coming down here to serve you, to love on you, to show you that I'm a good God. I'm going to pay for all of your sins on that cross. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to rise again. Look how powerful I am. I'm going to go back up there. Now that you've seen me, now that you've seen my love, do you understand that my commands are for your good? I'm just here to protect you I'm just here to love you man that's Christmas that's the gospel it's this faith where I go man if he went through that and came down and suffered and bled and died on that cross for me and he's saying I want you to join my kingdom I go where do you want me to sign up I want to be a part of that when he tells me look I'm in heaven right now and I'm going to return any day to judge the earth and some I'm going to say come well done, good and faithful servant. I want to be found as that servant. Man, I was thinking, you know, we talk about what are we going to be doing when Christ returns? That would have been pretty cool if you were laying on the sidewalk next to that lady when Christ returns, right? It's like, okay, come now, Jesus. Come tonight. You, you know? You know what I mean? It's just like, Lord, I want to be found waiting for you. And by waiting, that doesn't mean we just sit around. And hope that he returns tonight. By waiting, it means we obey the things that he's called us to do. And let me just say one last thing and I'm done. You know, in the beginning of my message, I told you about how everything changes in a second, and how Christ, when he returns, everything, everything changes in a second. That's what he's explaining. That's why he goes, be ready. It's just like the flood. They didn't know, they're just doing their thing, and the flood comes. It's going to be just like that. So be ready because everything changes in one second. And you guys, what I want to say is that some of you came in here and maybe you've rejected God your whole life. Or maybe you hurt a little bit when you were younger and then you just pushed them away as you've been living this life of rebellion and, and doing your own thing and pushing Jesus off to the side. And I'm saying, man, everything can change for you in one second today. Like literally, you, you could come to the table to, to, to break the bread and take the cup. And go, no, I, rem- I, I believe in the body and blood of Jesus. I'm going to turn from that old life. Man, that's the whole message of this Bible is that everything could change right now in one second. Boom. You could pass from death, being an enemy of God, rebellious against God. Boom. In one second to be a child of God, anxious for his return. Man, that's what I've been praying for you. Oh, God, I know there's going to be people in this room. Who they don't get how beautiful you are. They don't get how wonderful you are. They don't get how serious you are about your return. Could it be that today, man, that you get it. That everything could turn right now. Like you could have come here this morning, not ready for the return of Christ. And you could leave here today anxiously awaiting going, I can't wait till he comes. I cannot wait till he comes. Why? Because boom, in one second, I turned. I finally confessed to God and said look I I know I've sinned against you I know I've rebelled against you I've done things that you've absolutely hated and I'm sorry I believe now that Jesus paid for all of that I believe he rose from the grave and I want your spirit to come into my life and change me and I want to spend the rest of my life waiting for you with the rest of the people in this room and if that's you man as we as we're worshiping, I encourage you to come up to one of the, the leaders that will be up in the front of the room and just pray with them and tell them, I'm done. I'm done living for myself. I want to wait for the return of Christ. The worship team's going to come up right now. And let me just pray for you as they come up. God, I want to be like Jesus. I want to empty myself for others. I want to be found waiting, God. I just confess my love has grown a little bit cold. I don't like that, Father. I want to be thinking about Jesus all the time. I want to be anxious for his return. And so, God, I ask that you would change our hearts. Help us to long for him more, to love him more. And I pray for those in this room right now, God. They haven't seen how beautiful you are and how great it is to join your kingdom. I pray that you open their eyes even now as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.